Welcome to the Armored Up Podcast, where we help growing Christians get ready and equipped for the battle. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be a rebel and not in a good way. Let's get armored up. All right, so Brother Jenny, um, man, you look different. We have a guest today <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, didn't know we we're going to have such a special guest with us today, but Brother Jenny has been revealed. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, he sent me a picture of his uh, face last night, and I was like, whoa, bro, why? <laughs> what happened? So here's the thing. I just, I've, it's probably been two years or more since I was last fully shaven. Uh, but it's hot in the desert when you're looking at 100 degrees or more. Uh, yeah. especially down here as uh-huh. opposed to feeling uh you know i just got it, it could have used just a trim yeah but, yeah you know I'm that would have been the right thing to i'm do. sitting there on the couch and it's hot and i'm i'm sweating and i'm just like you know what i just kind of had this attitude i just want to chop it off so i did you know? what, what is your because uh, has valley ever seen you without the beard you know she didn't really i don't recall it she reacted at all honestly okay. so yeah just yeah, it's surprising, funny. but <laughs> when I any time that my beard comes off, my kids are like, "Dad, grow it back!" You yeah. know, it's like having a weirdo well, living in our house. The boys did. The boys were yeah. like, Why, "Why'd you shave your beard?" Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. I just yeah. didn't think Valley had ever seen you without it. Yeah, so, you know, she hadn't. Yeah, but it was funny because there really was. I didn't really no no reaction. reaction. Yeah, she doesn't care. She's too focused on what she wants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's a girl. <laughs> Don't care about you. <laughs> That's, that's about it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so today we're talking about what it means to be a rebel. And um, and so, Brother Jenny, you kind of lead this conversation, help us out just with this thought of uh, rebellion. I think a lot of us as Christians, we go through stages of rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we associate rebellion with teenagers more than anything else. Yeah. You know, oh, they're going to go through their rebellious phase or whatever. But really, rebellion's something we all go through, and mm-hmm. it has various degrees and various stages. And, uh, um, but uh, I know that we've read some books that are help, helpful and some resources on rebellion and stuff. So give us some thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, this topic of rebel, it's its always been one that stays on my mind. You know, obviously I, I find it in my own life because, you know, when you, when you consider what is a rebel or who is a rebel, well, we're all rebels by yeah, nature. Sure. And so somehow we have to eradicate that old nature and put on the new man. Uh, And I say somehow, but we know how, and that's through the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through following Him and abiding in Christ. And uh, so when you you think about uh, just all that entails and and how we come across people and how that nature is within all of us, so we're going to deal with people who show rebellious attitudes on a on a pretty consistent basis as a pastor yeah it's you know i wish we could avoid it but it's yeah. it's there and uh but that's what we're there for we're we're there to help to reprove rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine and uh so how do we identify it how do we recognize it how do we deal with it and uh and so that's why we we're talking about that today is that how can we be better equipped or armored up to deal with rebellion, not only in our own lives, but also those who we minister to. Yeah. And so... And it starts uh, with our own lives. Like, it starts yeah. with making sure that we can identify our own rebellion, and then that then we can help others with theirs. You know, we can't go... Right. Yeah, right. we can't be helping someone else battle with the same thing that we're basically going through ourselves. Yeah, and, and I find that there's a, a strong connection. If you look at what a narcissist is, you know, and you go on Google and find out what is a narcissist, what are the traits that, that make up a narcissist, are very similar to the same traits that make up a rebel. Uh, and, and 
actually going to talk about this book here, but there was another book I read. I just want, before we get started there, I remember reading a book before I, I got off into the teen ministry back in New York. I read this book on, on working with teens, and one of the things that I remember from the book, I don't remember much else from it, it was years ago, but I do remember this one thing that always stuck with me from that book, and I think it was the most powerful thing, is that the moment we become unthankful is the moment we step into rebellion. Hmm. And it's interesting how God, through the scriptures, clearly tells us to be thankful in all things. And when we start to lose that thankfulness to him in everything in life, whether the good or the bad, that's when we start entering into that rebellious attitude. And if we don't deal with it, we don't correct it, and we, we end up in that gall of bitterness, we uh, will fall into the rules that rebels live by and, and, yeah. and by going from that and branching off of that there's this great book uh, i do want to recommend because i think it's great it's it's by jeff farnham i picked it up uh, when i was in bible college but it's rules that rebels live by and he's made a second one there's rules that more rules that rebels live yeah. by yeah. and uh you know I, I i read through this and i'm thinking you know when a person is a rebel it displays a rebellious attitude it's not that they just display a couple of these usually they're displaying all of them yeah different very and, and it's very good for <clears throat> us i think it's a great book to read through he gives biblical examples of of rebels in the bible that displayed these these rules and just as uh just as we have rules that we live by uh, general principles rebels who are often the ones who say i don't want to live by any rules actually have their rules that they live by yeah. and uh so you know you're under you're under some kind of authority whether you recognize it or not Absolutely. and oftentimes you know whether it be god or the devil uh um or even your own flesh mm -hmm. but uh you know we, we look at this and say okay how do we identify a rebel you know what would you say a rebel is so mm -hmm. when i think of rebellion i think of going my own way right yeah. so you talk about that narcissism right you know it's uh, it's all about me yep and uh, so that's, for me, that's when I think of a rebel, I think of a person who's not willing to concede at all to anybody else's way, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's his parents' way, whether it's the church and his pastor or God, uh, that rebel says, no, my way is more important to me. My way is all that matters. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I'm going to go on and go my way. And so, um, but I'm sure the book has defined it a little bit more, uh, better than that, yeah. but well, that's my thought. Yeah, that's... And that's that's what it is in a nutshell. I mean, sure. someone who's so focused on themselves and, and doesn't want anyone else getting in their way, basically. Yep. And But, you know, how does God label a person a rebel? You know, by what standards does God just call everyone rebel? Uh, and in a way, he does. By nature, we're separated from him. By our sinful nature, we are rebels against mm -hmm. him. We're enemies of God and uh, until we're reconciled to him. Uh, but we'd look at that and say, well, what is it that that God identifies a rebel as. If he was going to say, hey, this person is, is someone who received grace by me, and, and, and because they've received that grace, they're not identified and looked at by God as a rebel. But then I'll look at another person and say, that person's a rebel. And, and what tendencies? Is it because we have a sin here and there? Does that make us a rebel? Because we know we've all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So none of us are perfect. If we say we have no sin, we're a liar, and the truth is not in us. So we know that every single one of us has that problem and has that mm -hmm. tendency uh, to turn away. But how would you mark a person who is can be named a rebel or, or have the attitude of a rebel? And 
what is the biblical description of a rebel? And I think it's, it's a great way in the beginning of the book, it talks about who is a rebel uh, and some characteristics that would identify a person as a rebel. Number one, it says they're a habitual transgressor. So when we think about um, Israel, mm-hmm. um, why were they called rebels? Why were they described as sure. rebellious? Was it because of one thing here and one thing there? No, no, was, no. Look at the yeah. read the book of Judges for uh, yeah. a little while. Read the book of Numbers. You know, the the, the rebellion was part yeah. of their life. I mean, their disobedience and disregard for God and His Word and His law. Um, it's time and again. It's yeah, like habitual. Was, was it just one generation? No, it was, no, it was over and over. Yeah. Generations and generations yeah. of of idolatry. Yep. Of rebellion. In constant regard, disregard of God's prophets, He sends them prophets to warn them and say, "Hey, yep. you're being rebels." Yep. Like, no, they don't want to hear it. Sure. And and a rebel typically doesn't. Right. Uh, and, and so I think part of this is is just for us to recognize and say, "Hey, I don't want to be a rebel." And hopefully, everyone listening here is is come to the attitude, "I don't want to be a rebel." So we yeah. want to recognize, we want a prophet to say, "Hey, this is rebellious. Don't do it." And we say, okay, you know, confess it and move on and be humble about it. And we're going to see as you go through this book, if you, if you pick up this book and read this book, you're going to see how rebel after rebel uh, was not humble, uh, didn't have confession, didn't have repentance, just was bound to determined to almost double down Yeah, is, is what a rebel often does. Uh, and so they practice, a rebel is someone who practices rebellion as their lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, it's not just just a moment, um, and it's become a part of them, and, and they're almost content with being that way. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, they think they're in the right and everyone else is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also a hard-hearted transgressor, as the book says. So you have uh, a rebel identified as a habitual transgressor and also a hard-hearted transgressor, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that they're unashamed of right. their ways and, and in their own mind they're actually righteous you know a little bit of what i was saying a minute ago you know perhaps they felt justified in their way of thinking yeah know, like they're right no and everybody else is wrong exactly yeah. yeah so you know no one could tell them they're wrong uh they, they would not even receive correction they wouldn't receive any thought i mean we see this with the the pharisees right yep. in in uh, to come up to these religious leaders who are you know we've got the truth we we're the righteous ones and they yep. were almost proud and wanted everyone to know it but someone come along and tell them they're wrong and, and shame them a little bit. And uh, they're not, you know, that shows a lot of their pride for yeah. one thing. But uh, just, you know, everyone else could look and see, yeah, you've got a problem as, <laughs> uh, of arrogance. Right. And, and but, uh, you know, to plant a garden, the soil has to be worked. It has to be softened. And, and the question is, you know, is your heart prepared? Is is uh, is it tender? Is it um, uh, tender to the moving of the Holy Spirit? And I, I think we get that when we look at the parable of, of the sower and, uh, you know, whether the, the ground is, is soft and, and fertile and ready to receive mm-hmm. the seed versus one that hasn't been tilled. Um, but, you know, we, we could ask the question, you know, you know, when have you last received the leading of God in your life and, and the blessings of God, the peace of God? And I, I think this is indication when we reflect on that and say, yeah, my, my heart has been a little bit hard. Uh, and I've had some problems there. So. Yeah. Well, I think I think one of the things, like for ourselves, if we start noticing that that everybody's disagreeing with us, with the way that we're living our life, if yeah. everybody's in disagreement with us, yeah. there's a problem there. Like we should yeah. really we should really seek that out. 
and be able to ask the Lord, Lord, where am I wrong? Mm-hmm. What, what, why am I not willing to yeah. change? Why am I not willing to allow you to help me with this? Where am I wrong? You know, yeah. and I, I just find that with people that, you know, we deal with people at church or kids, especially teenagers, and, and they're not willing to be wrong. Their pride has just welled up in them and everyone else can see it in their lives and we'll talk to them. We'll try to encourage them and pull them out of that rebellion a little bit. And they're just like, I don't, I don't understand what's so, what's the big deal. I don't understand. And they're right in their own eyes. Yeah. And, um, and if that's, if we start noticing that in ourselves where we're the only ones that agree with us, we're the only ones that feel like what we're doing is okay. Then we need to take a step back and look at that and ask the Lord to help us with that rebellion because that's exactly what it is. I think, yeah, we see that too in, in the Lord's instructions for discipline mm-hmm. in the church. Um, it, you know, we, we want to work it out just speaking one-on-one with someone if possible, that we don't have to go and make a big deal sp- out of it. Yeah. Spread all the information to, to somebody else. But I think, you know, it, it becomes very quickly at times where it's necessary to bring someone else in, not so that they're shame, but so that they can see, Hey, I'm, I'm not just the crazy one correcting you and I'm not wrong. Others think this as well, you know, you you know, whether it be other pastors or whether, you know, and that's why it's, it's important to get a multitude of counselors in situations too. Am I wrong thinking in this? And and that's very good. Uh, I know we talked about it before going and asking other pastors and, and seeing what they think about something because in the multitude of counselors, there's safety, Mm -hmm. not, well, I'm afraid that they might think, little of me if i do yeah. that you know it's <laughs> yeah if you're afraid to go get counsel because yeah. you know they're going to disagree with you then yeah. there's there's part of the issue you right know? right or if you're too worried about your own image yep. and it's mm-hmm. uh yeah, so we have here the the hard-hearted transgressor he explains a rebel in the book as a as a heedless transgressor one that that doesn't want to listen that doesn't want to yep. hear anyone else and and uh, of course this marked Israel's rebellion as well. I didn't want to hear it as we talked about. There's the haughty transgressor, uh, you know, the attitudes and actions that come from kind of a haughty attitude or a haughty spirit. Yeah. Um, you know, a haughty person's a arrogant person who thinks everyone else who disagrees with them is beneath them. Yeah. And they'll go out and they'll seek out friends and people who agree with them. And uh, this is how you have a group of rebels. This is how you have this bitterness spread. Uh, so be careful of hanging around a rebel or someone who's bitter, uh, because it does spread mm-hmm. and uh, spreads very easily. And I, you know, I'm sure you've seen that <laughs> many times. But you know, they're they're also explained a rebel's a hostile transgressor. Uh, why would you become hostile towards someone who just wants to help you follow in the will of the Lord, unless you're in rebellion against the Lord? You, you don't want anything to do with the Lord. In mm-hmm. in all reality, you might right. pretend you do, uh, but uh, they're also a harmful transgressor because they have harm on others. Again, you know, that, that spreads to others. It causes harm to others. Uh, you have uh, a helpless transgressor. You know, un- unsaved rebels are, are without hope. They're without God. You, you can't help them. You can't do anything with them. You can't counsel them. So you go to someone in, in a counseling session and you try to help them and you pick up these, the fact that they're living by these rebellious rules unless they're willing to identify that and accept uh, you showing them that there's really little you can do with them yeah yeah and at some point you'd have to say well you know i can't counsel any further because you don't really want the counsel right you want someone who's going to agree with you right and that's that happens uh, a lot yeah yeah 
And so, you know, you also have the fact that they're, they're hypocritical, hypocritical trans, tra transgressor. So, um, you know, you, you see the hypocrisy where they'll, you know, and, and, and you've seen a lot of people, who, I, I think maybe you could probably recognize that a lot of people don't go to church because they think the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, which one of us is is not hypocritical at times? Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, oftentimes you'll find out that the most hypocritical person is the one who's calling everyone else hypocritical. Yeah, I often <laughs> tell people, well, then make sure you don't come because we'll have we don't exactly. need we don't need one more hypocrite at our <laughs> right, church. Right, yeah, right. yeah. And so you know, just just the fact of saying that I don't need church or I don't want to go to church, but I believe in God and I want to have a relationship with God. I have my own relationship, but I don't with want to God obey at home. But yeah. you're not you're disobeying it. You're obviously not reading the scriptures. Yeah, uh, you're just as much of a hypocrite <laughs> yeah, as anybody exactly. else. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and so you know. That being said, we see exactly uh, how we can describe a rebel. I think with all that we said mm -hmm. and uh, what God would consider uh, a rebel. You know, yeah. outside of the fact that we're all rebels. Sure. Um, before you move, nature. before you move on to like the rules that yeah. these rebels live by. Yeah. Um, There's another book I mentioned okay, to you yeah, earlier yeah. today. Mm -hmm. So, like, rebellion rebellion displays itself differently in everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, we talk about the haughty, the hostile, the the heedless, the you know, all these different. You know, these are ways that that rebellion is displayed. Right. So, yeah. getting hostile with somebody, or or uh, you know, these kind of things. Well, there's another book that that I highly recommend. We'll put both uh, links to both of them and the Amazon links to them in the show notes and uh, in our YouTube description and all of that. But it's called um, "Changed into His Image" by Jim Berg, and in that book, he talks about. Um, living life my way, uh, the the flesh, the identifying our own flesh and our own our own way. So rebellion, identifying yeah. our own rebellion, and he talks about the three different types of rebels that there are. Yeah, he talks about the cooperative rebel, which is the one who, you know, they're just buying their time. So this is a lot of church kids, uh, the cooperative rebels, the ones who grow up in Christian homes. And uh, they're literally just buying their time until they move out of their parents' house, and then they're going to go on and live life their own way. Mm -hmm. They're not really interested to obey God, to obey their parents, but it's just convenient for them. It's like they're a convenience, convenient rebel, you know? It's convenient for them just to obey so that they don't have to put up with all of the fighting and all of the you know parents dragging them to church. And all. They're just going to do it and, and yeah. you know get by. Then there's the passive rebel mm. where... You know, oh, I meant to obey, but I just uh, I forgot, or you know, whatever. And and you know, they have that that passiveness about them, and yeah. and so they're still disobeying. Yeah, they're still wasn't important enough to remember. But it wasn't yeah. important <laughs> enough to remember, you know. And, yeah. and it, they're very passive about their rebellion. Mm -hmm. And then there's the assertive rebel, mm -hmm. and this is the aggressive one. This yeah. is the one who, you know, is in your face about it. Who's going to tell you no? Who's going to tell you they hate you to your face? They're going to tell you they're just very assertive about it. They're not hiding their rebellion in any way. They're not making excuses for their rebellion. They're just rebellious. Yeah, so convinced that they're right. Even yep, so. yep. They're very assertive. And so, but in all of us, that rebellion is going to show itself differently. Like my mm -hmm. wife and I talked about this a lot. When I was a, when I was a teenager, I was the assertive rebel, mm -hmm. right? So I just didn't care what my mom thought. I didn't care what in, what the rules were. I was just going to go live my life however I wanted to, right? Brittany, on the other hand, is the cooperative rebel. <laughs> so she was just, well, it's easier just not to make waves. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to keep rebelling, yeah. but I'm going to make it look like I'm obeying, 
right? I'm going to make it look like, you know, and everybody's okay with me, you know, teacher's pet type stuff. And, and, um, but I'm still going to do my own thing and nobody's going to notice it, you know? So everybody's rebellion shows up differently. And, um, and so these rules that rebels live by, yeah, we're going to see some, you know, the rules that every rebel has, but it might display itself differently in every person. Different people. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's funny. I got a funny illustration in regards to that. It reminded me of, I, my parents did the whole Santa Claus thing, you know, Okay. my mom always wanted us to believe that, you know, Santa Claus was coming at night while we were sleeping and so i'd always be expecting waiting did i hear the, the yeah, pounding on the, the rooftop, hooves on the you roof know? <laughs> and so i'd lay there on the couch just waiting uh, uh but i remember i think it was around maybe even first grade and uh he, i heard my parents were arguing about something and my dad was making just some funny comments to my mom about it and where it became obvious and i think i kind of already knew that this whole Santa Claus thing was a farce. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, uh, so I, you know, I've been getting to be upset about it because I just find out, you know, parents are lying to me, think I'm a fool, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. And so I mentioned it to my brother. I think he tried to play it off for my sake or whatever. Um, but the funny thing was, is I never went to my parents and said, okay, I know this isn't true. I don't believe this anymore. Yeah. You know why? Because you wanted to get those gifts. Because I was afraid I wouldn't get the <laughs> gifts, exactly. <laughs> so I guess you could say that I kind of just played along yep. just so I could get what I, was convenient for me at the time. And I think a lot and, of kids in church do that. Yep. Yep, I think a lot of kids in church do that. And, you know, and I think a lot of, um, well, we've noticed it in preacher's kids. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, because um, um, a lot of times, and of course we're preachers and we're raising kids, mm-hmm. so it's kind of dear to us because we want our kids to not just be good people and turn out for, you know, society. We want them to serve the Lord. We want them to love Jesus. And, you know, and, um, but I I just noticed that sometimes there's such a concern about just looking like you've got it together, Mm -hmm. you know, like looking like your family's got it together, looking like, you know, we're showing for church. We're all wearing our suit and tie. We got our KJV and we're just, you know, amening. The kids look sharp and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, but we're never really, they're never really engaging in anything spiritual throughout the week. They're just kind of, they're lost kids. Yeah. And, um, and then when they grow up, they see the hypocrisy in their parents. Mm-hmm. They see the parents' rebellion that they were trying to just put on a show. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't want to do it. They don't want to yeah. live that. And, yeah. um, and, and they shouldn't have to. You know, they shouldn't have to be expected to fake it. Yeah. You know? And... Um, and so they, they grow up to rebel. And we're like, wow, they grew up in a preacher's home and they still went and rebel. Yeah, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah, how does that happen? Well, it happens because the preachers were rebels. Yeah, yeah. And just putting on a show, yeah. you know. And and I want, you know, want to point out with that, sometimes it just happens. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not so, saying that everything. Yeah. You know, if you see a preacher's kid that went off and, you know, went to rebellion, doesn't mean that, assume, doesn't, you know? <laughs> it doesn't mean that his parents were hypocrites or yeah. whatever. But I'm just saying that, you know, it it's it's happening more than it should absolutely and um and it's a pattern actually that is kind of scary yeah you know because the statistics say that half of mine and your kids are gonna grow up to hate hate church and hate the lord and all that kind of stuff and yeah and um and i just don't i just don't want that you know i want so i need to identify my rebellion i need to identify theirs and we need to bring them back to jesus you know bring them back to their relationship with him well you you see people that are so closed off that you try to witness to and, and try to give moral conversation to, and they automatically assume, well, because you're that way, your kids are going to hate you because that's how they were with their parents. Right. Because of the way that they were retreated or responded to. So, uh, yeah, 
it uh, it makes things difficult. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what are these rules that? Yeah, so let's by? talk about some of these rules and just uh, you know have a little discussion on these. You know, the first rule in the book is the "Am I my brother's keeper?" rule. <laughs> and uh, you know, not having read much of the book yourself, can you? I, I mean, can you even? What do you think when you hear that rule? There? Yeah, so like it's, you know, I'm not responsible for anybody yeah. else. You know, like I'm just. You know, I'm I'm rogue. I'm gonna go do my own thing, mm-hmm. and and um, and so then we have that excuse. You know, like, well, I'm not responsible for yeah. for for any of that, and so no matter how I live, you yeah. know, he's responsible for his own life. Don't yeah, don't blame it on me. It's kind of like living with no responsibility yeah. and uh, you know, dis- disregarding or even despising any responsibility mm-hmm. you might have for others. You know, you, right. I just want to be free from this. I don't have to worry about anyone else. And right. Nobody bothers me and that type of thing. Uh, you know, we. Obviously, we have a great example of that when we, even the words themselves, make us think of Cain. Right. You know, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even to say that to God, you know, what what a snarky <laughs> yep, yep. comment to God. I mean, can you imagine uh, that you were actually able to talk to God and, and say something like and that? And you were sarcastic with him like, <laughs> like that? Like he doesn't know. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we, we have um, Onan. And Ur, and uh, that whole situation there where he was to marry his brother's wife after his brother's passing, which he had no problem marrying her, but he didn't want to do anything for the sake of his brother. Right. And so purposely not raising up seed for his brother, he goes into rebellion and, uh, you know, just kind of tries to play it off. Well, can't hide it from God. Right, right. And uh, we saw the consequence of what happened to him. Yep. And, uh, you know, the Pharisees use law to even avoid caring for their own parents. It's Corbin. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a terrible one. Yeah. That one drives me nuts. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't have to take care of my parents. I don't have to give them anything according as the law says because I can just call it, uh, it's for the temple. Yeah. All my all my things are for the temple. Yeah. So I'm not responsible to ever have to give to anybody or, or do anything yeah, for anybody else. Yeah, and if else, you're not it's... familiar with that principle, <laughs> the Pharisees found a loophole. So... Mm-hmm. You know, we're commanded to honor our parents. You know, we're commanded to take care of them. Yeah. You know, as our parents grow, I think I think there's Bible principle for us to take care of our parents. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it may look different for every family and how that is and all that kind of stuff. But, but that's the Bible principle is that we would. Mm-hmm. Well, the Pharisees, it costs a lot of money to take care of your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You know, and as they retire and they're no longer able to work and these kind of things, the, they found a loophole to where they didn't have to give their parents any money. To, for them to provide for themselves so they they would say it was corbin or a gift to the temple that it was all their money was being used in the temple worship mm-hmm. and um but really they were Dedicated keeping it for themselves for yeah <laughs> yeah so they were it was just complete self they're part of the temple they work in the temple absolutely so it just yeah sense. <laughs> yep and um and so they found that loophole and um how wicked is that i mean yeah. total rebellion total and you rebellion. can see that you know even when you think about that could could easily come on on a pastor to say well i'm part of the church you know and this this is for me but i'm the church you know and uh, oh yeah i like, could see that to not have to give same or attitude not have to... yeah not have to give or, or even you know taking and using things that they shouldn't from oh the yeah. church yep and, yep and uh that's dangerous yep and so you know obviously god god desires us to care for our own i mean we hear what jesus said to to love our brethren to provide anyone who sees their brother in need and doesn't 
worker even consider how how can I help meet that need? You know, this yeah, it's not doing right. So this um, first rule is really just about selfishness. Yeah, like yeah, the, uh, if you're going to be a rebel, you're going to have to live for yourself. And again, I think as we go through these, we're going to see that they're all about selfishness, yep. and that's why this is a strong connection to the narcissistic tendency, which you know, and, and according to the statistics, I don't remember what it was, but how many narcissists actually turn from their ways is, is very very little uh, unfortunately yeah. and i think you know what's required is them to to humbly turn in submission to god and that's but number two uh, another rule is uh the poor me rule hmm. that actually you know you could say turns courageous men into whining wimps <laughs> because it's oh i've been caught and here are my consequences take for example cain and uh, who was given the consequences after murdering his brother, after kind of shirking it off with God. Oh, it's and, too much yeah, for me to bear. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so he starts to complain instead of getting right, which if you look at that, read that carefully, you see multiple times God gave him opportunity. He pleaded with him. And actually gave him grace and gave yeah. him mercy and, and, and the goodness of God ought to lead us to repentance. But instead Cain just kind of whines. Yep. and says oh it's, it's too much it's too hard and and kind of was, and god knew what he was doing he's begging for mercy really begging for without repentance and, and hoping that you know everyone's going to feel sorry for me and i'm just going to get away with it because yep uh, poor me <laughs> yeah you, you see that all the time so it's a, it's a psychological mm -hmm. manipulation tactic and uh you know it's it's unfortunate um but what do we need to do we need to realize that we are where we're at because of the consequences of our actions and uh, just man up take full responsibility take ownership and say you know what i deserve this this is what the christian life is supposed to be recognizing the fact that we're sinners deserving an eternal hell and uh you know everything we get that short of that you know is we ought to be thankful for if, if god only gave us uh salvation from eternal hell that ought to be enough for us i guess that's what i'm trying to communicate here right. is that uh you know we think oh poor me because this is happening in my life or that's happening in my life but are you saved for eternity and and that ought to be enough for us absolutely um so you know here with the poor me rule it's gonna it's gonna ignore the offers of forgiveness because you're still so focused on yourself you you don't want to admit you're wrong. You don't want to uh, take those offers that, that even Cain had to get right. You know, if, if you do right, will you not be accepted? Right. <laughs> and uh, it, it ignores that. It seeks pity rather than repentance. We see this out of, out of King Saul. You know, Saul assumed in, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, he assumed the, in, the worst out of his soldiers. Things that weren't even that people were so loyal to Saul, yet he automatically assumed that people were his enemy and were against him. Uh, like his soldiers, he assumed their ingratitude, he assumed their disloyalty, and uh, he had this inferiority complex that, yeah. that really destroyed him, his insecurity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we need to stop trying to uh, find security for ourselves and find our security in Christ. And it makes a big difference. It's absolutely. actually freeing. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. really is. Uh, you know, and so I look at these things, and I know I've struggled with them. Uh, when yeah, consequences too. come my way, sometimes I don't even think about the connection of what I did wrong. I just think, why is this happening to me? <laughs> you know, and sure. and poor me. Um, and, and so, you know, we ought to we ought to just face our shame instead of instead of fighting against it. Yeah, and and uh, it'll really help us. You know, we we think of Ahab. You know, poor Ahab. 
<laughs> uh, Namal won't give me his vineyard. And uh, so Poor he guy. has to have his wife come fight his battle for him. <laughs> That's another podcast yeah. for another yeah. day. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he hated Ahab. He hated the prophets of God. You know, they, they never say good things about me. <laughs> they always speak bad. Uh, so I don't want him. I'm going to go find another fake prophet who yeah. says nice things about me. Uh, who's probably just afraid. He doesn't have a mean <laughs> Twitter account. <laughs> oh, boy. Now we're getting political. Sorry. <laughs> we'll cut that out. Yeah. Number three, uh, you have the rule of compromise to gain good. And what this is is pragmatism. You know, that, that yeah. the end justifies the means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as it, it makes things better in this world for myself is, yeah. is really the end game, you know. And we could say, well, we'll get more because of this or we'll get more people because of this or, uh, you know, I'll have greater things because of this or you name it. And, and the list could go on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is kind of a uh, obvious one that uh, the rebel just thinks about what works for him at the yep. moment. Yep. And, and it doesn't matter like what it, what means he has to take to get to that end because yeah. you know when it comes to you think of you think of like embezzlement mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like a like a CEO embezzling or a, or a financial officer embezzling okay. from you know a business or something like that and they the to them their end just or their means are justified by their their end of pleasing themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it really doesn't matter that anybody else needs that money, or it doesn't matter if the business needs it. It doesn't matter if uh, church or whoever else needs it. You know, it's it's about me. Yeah. And so my end, my end justifies my means, and so I'm not going to care. You know, this is why. You know, I had a guy break into the truck um, this week on Thursday night. You know, we um, at church. I was sitting in my office, and this guy just, you know, I look out the window, and his feet are hanging out the driver's seat of the truck, and He's rifling through everything in there. And I go out there and I'm like, what in the world, man? Get out of here. And, uh, oh, I just need a cigarette. <laughs> I'm just looking for a cigarette. And I'm like, get lost, man. Yeah. Like, you know, like you're only in it for you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. And, um, and I, and I wanted to eventually talk to him about the gospel and all this kind of stuff. The conversation was never able to get there Yeah. because, you know, like after church that night, he was sleeping down in the stairwell mm-hmm. of the church and he was passed out drunk and yeah. there beer bottles everywhere and, and all this stuff. And, and so he woke up as I was passing by after church that night, and I just said, hey, man, it's like, you know, um, you're welcome to sleep here. You know, I'm not going to kick you out or anything, but, you know, just maybe, you know, if you could keep the alcohol off the church property, that would be a blessing. And, man, he just was, you know, it doesn't matter what you think. I'm going to do whatever I want, you know, all this, you know, kind of thing. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. It's, It doesn't matter if this property belongs to somebody else. Yeah. It doesn't matter if there's children here. It doesn't matter anything. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, your child or yourself, you may be in like a lower degree of this rebellion. This guy may be at a very much higher degree of this rebellion, but that's really where it all stems from. It's all about me. Yeah. And you're very, very much bitter at the world. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody's out to get me. And instead of seeking out that forgiveness and restitution, getting your life right, it's everybody else. Everybody else is the problem. So what will happen is he'll end up staying in that state. And, yeah, and never can't never help somebody out like of that. the gutter. No, it's a, yeah, uh, and then you have the defy your parents rule. Yep, and uh, you know I've known many rebels that didn't hate their parents. <laughs> and so, I mean, if you're gonna full fledged, you know, you, you might. And again, all of us have re- rebellious tendencies here and there, 
But, uh, you know, most people who are marked by the attitude of rebellion have an issue with their parents. Yeah. And, yep. Um, yeah. And actually, I bet you I could talk to that guy today. Mm-hmm. Same guy. Yeah. And I could probably stem it back to a hatred for his father. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times that happens. You know, when, you, when you're dealing with like, um, we deal with teenagers at church or we deal with, you know, a lot of it can be stemmed back to their hatred of their parents. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes it's unjustified. Like there's no reason why they hate their parents other than their parents love them enough to give them some rules, loved them enough to, you know, try to bring them to church or loved them enough to, you know, put them through piano practice or whatever else, but they hated their parents. Yeah. And, um, because their parents didn't give them everything they wanted, mm-hmm. you know? And so that rebellion just grew and grew and grew. And, um, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. And it's sad. You're right. You do find a, a hatred for parents in most rebels. Yeah. And it's interesting. You find a biblical example of this in Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you're reading through that and, okay, you, you read it as history and, and don't really think about the actual attitude of Ishmael was pretty poor. And maybe, maybe that's because of the rebellion of his parents. Absolutely. Uh, I can't imagine the family situation. Oh, yeah, that was a rough there. one. That was a <laughs> but, rough one. But, uh, you know, you see Abraham and Sarah doubt, start to doubt God's promise and say, okay, Abraham, go with Hagar and, and have a child. I mean, and, and then to think of that three-way family situation, yeah, how is that, Hagar supposed that, to pretend the child's not hers? You know, it's... Yeah, <laughs> and then you have this whole um, thing of, you know, Isaac was the favorite you know, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Passing none down from there. Yes. And then, yeah, the same thing in Jacob's family, you know, with Joseph, that Mm -hmm. Joseph was treated a certain way. And, and, um, all those older brothers, man, Mm -hmm. they hated him, but really, you know, they didn't hate Joseph. They hated Jacob. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you look at at Jacob and Esau mm -hmm. and you see Esau goes and starts spending time with the family of Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And uh, how that kind of spreads onto him. So, like we were saying before, that that bitterness just kind of grows. Boom. Depending yep. on who you hang around. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, sorry if I. No, you're right. There, you're but, right. Yeah. Though I mean that that hatred for parents or you know that rebellion towards parents is really where a lot of it stems from. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, it's interesting as well to see that whole scene unfold as you read that story of Ishmael. And how he starts to lash out against uh, Isaac, and uh, uh, and then from there, you have uh, uh, them being sent out. You know, you, you know, Sarah realized she had made a mistake. Well, yeah, you know, she was like, "Okay, I, I deserve this judgment." But even though she said, "Well, I I deserve judgment," she still tried to get rid of her judgment <laughs> by sending away. Uh, Hagar and, and Ishmael and even there as they're wandering through the wilderness we have Ishmael complaining and Hagar but God speaks to Hagar he never speaks to Ishmael there's just something interesting yeah that uh there was an attitude that God couldn't couldn't work with couldn't speak to him yeah um I always go- felt bad for Ishmael yeah you know yeah, he got you know, the short end of the stick on a yeah. lot of things but you know we're all responsible for how we respond to our circumstances yeah you can't just blame your parents and that's yeah. part of this um this defy your parents rule is that you know we're still held to honoring and obeying our parents and uh, there's a difference between honoring and obeying because honoring is from the inward part there, there's no one who honors their parents who doesn't obey but you can obey your parents and Without not honor them. your parents. Absolutely. <laughs> I've kind so, of a funny story about that. Okay. So 
when I was a kid, man, my chore was to take out the trash. Oh, man, I hated that chore. I actually still hate that chore. Yeah. I don't like taking the trash out. And I think it probably stemmed from as a childhood. <clears throat> as a child, we lived on the third story of an apartment. <laughs> we lived on the third Just floor. Throw it out the window. Yeah, but it was like 100 <laughs> yards away, you know? So mom would say, take the trash out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you do it, you know? Like, yeah. nobody wants to walk down those stairs, yeah. you know? And uh, and so I, I would I would get that trash, and I'm grumbling the whole time, you know? I'm making noise. I'm banging stuff around and never put the trash bag back in i, I just refused you know if i'm taking it out i'm not putting the new bag in you know and i'm well, you still gonna take it without a bag no. yeah and uh, <laughs> that's even worse and so you know i'd grumble the whole way down and, and then i'd get that trash can out i'd throw it as hard as i could in the trash dumpster and and you know hang my head and go back to the house all just ticked you know just like why did i have to do that and um and you know i always tell that story I was obeying. Mm -hmm. I did the action that I was told to do, right? But not one part of it did I honor. Yeah. And that uh, that honor is the obedience with a happy heart. You know, that's kind of how we explain it to young children. That when our parents ask us to do something, we obey. Yeah. And we do it with a kind heart and yeah. a, a happy heart, you know. And and uh, but I just remember that as a kid, yeah. just man being so mad that's... every time. And it was just like I lived in this anger over taking the trash <laughs> out. I. Uh, it's so funny. It seems like the most prominent examples are always taking out the tra trash. <laughs> <laughs> I hate taking out the trash, man. It's just so so frustrating. Even now, man, I'm just like, you know, that's why I have kids. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> They're gonna do the same. Oh man, I'm sure my son just heard that and it was just like, yeah. Oh. Number five, you have the exception to the rule. Rule. Okay. And uh, yeah, which is, you know it. It usually doesn't work out, but it'll be okay for me. You know, it worked for this guy, so mm. uh, it'll work for me too. Yep. And uh, I don't know if it's just a big gamble that we convince ourselves of or or what, but, you know, Esau, he thought he could get God's blessing despite, you know, his carelessness for the things of God. Yeah, I'm the and, exception. Uh, is yielding to his flesh all the time and, and just, you know, he goes and, and takes that, that pot of soup from uh, Jacob it says, you know, what What do I care about my birthright? I'm about to die, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, just didn't think ahead to the future. Didn't think, oh, it's not that much further to camp where I can get food. Yeah. Uh, it was, give me this now. I want it now. And I don't care what happens. And, and, and I'll make it. And I'll still get my birthright. And I'll still mm -hmm. get what I need in life. Um, and, and, you know, you know this, this happens in... Um in uh, adulterous relationships yeah where uh perhaps a husband you know nobody wants to lose their family mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying I, I don't think that anybody you know they get married and they have a couple kids and they think oh, i just can't wait for that day where i just lose my family yeah. you know where i just give it all away or whatever and um and you know something happens where there's perhaps some uh, disappointment there's you know whatever the reason is and they 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 find their needs being met in someone else and they this relationship starts to form with mm -hmm. a coworker or with you know some oh, somebody yeah. and they think well it's just one time it's not mm -hmm. going to happen to me i'm the exception to the yeah. rule so this I'll isn't going to destroy yeah. my family i'll be able to get by or whatever mm -hmm. and um but it does yep. it'll destroy your family yeah you know and it, you're not the exception to the rule yep. and we always think oh we can sweep it under the rug and god will never or nobody will ever find out about it mm -hmm. no like 
your sin will always find yeah. you out. Yeah. Always. And so you're not the exception to the And you world. have this principle in the scriptures that's funny, you know, God says this, but we still think that we're going to get by mm -hmm. when it says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You're, yep. At some point, whether now in this life or in the next, you're going to have to answer for how you lived your life. Yeah. And you're not really getting by. Yeah, I think I think in like our own rebellion, when we notice some things going on in our heart, and we maybe feel ourselves drifting from mm -hmm. our relationship with the Lord, or you know we feel ourselves drifting, you know, into that rebellious this rebellious state. You know, you talk about sowing the seed. There is an opportunity for us to go back and dig up that seed and plant new good seed. Yeah, you know, but it does take some work. There's it's harder to pull the seed out of the ground than it is to plant it. Do mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So. You know, we may not have to suffer the long-term consequences of of a right now decision, but we have to go back and dig that seed up. Yeah. Because if if it's allowed to grow, if it's allowed to germinate and grow, it will wreck your life. Yeah. And um, and I know that we talk about whatever a man sow with actually also reap, and that is for sure. Mm -hmm. But I love the grace of God and the mercy and forgiveness of God that Amen. there is that opportunity that God often gives us to yeah. go back and dig that seed back up. Mm. But you have to get right. Repentance. Yeah. You have to repent. It you have takes, to get. Takes work. It's, it's harder. Yeah. <laughs> it's much harder. Yep. Yeah. It's easy to plant the seed. Yeah. Because as we're planting the seeds of rebellion, we're just Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. Yeah. We're just throwing it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it takes time to go hunt those seeds down and make. Oh get, yeah. Get them out of the ground. Yeah. You know? And uh, but we have to do it. Yeah. Our life is worth it. You know. Our, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm thankful when you start seeing people start digging those seeds back up in their life. Yeah. Even if even if you spend the rest plants. of your life digging up those roots, and it's worth it. It is worth yeah. it. Yeah. And then you have uh, number six, the I don't care how much I hurt others rule. Yep. And, uh, you know, the thought may sometimes cross their mind. Oh, I'm someone might get hurt by this. But the desire to get what they want overshadows any compassionate thinking that might be there. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you again, you look at Joseph's brothers. How much hurt did they cause to their family and ultimately to themselves? in a lot of ways, uh, just because they wanted to, they were so bitter and angry at Joseph and they yeah. had this scheme and this plan and, and they were so set on their plan of getting rid of Joseph that they didn't think how much it was going to hurt uh, their father. Yeah. And how much it was going to hurt their little brother Benjamin, uh, you know, had a relationship there with Joseph, it seems. So, um, and then even how much ultimately would end up hurting Joseph, you know, really want to do that to someone, even someone that, you just were jealous over uh you really think about all that he had to go through and all that went through his mind and it's amazing to me how much grace he actually showed to his brothers you know he, oh, yeah. and recognized god in it all it's a crazy story and yeah. yeah uh and so you know you see a lot of parallels to christ in the in the life of joseph but just to have have to gone through all that he did and so much heartache uh through through each and every story that we read about his life and be able to say at the end, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Yeah, it's good. And so because God's in control, I'm not mad at you. I'm not bitter at right. you. you know, so. yep. <laughs> um, um, now, when you think of that point, I know we probably should move quickly through the rest of them. Yeah. But, like, when you think of that point of I don't care who I hurt. Yeah. Um, you think about those kids. They hate their dad so much. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They hate their dad so much and they rebel, rebel from their dad. But ultimately, who the one they end up hurting the most is their mom. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. And, that, and, yeah, and they, they, 
they love their mom. Most of the yeah. times, like, you know, when I see this and I see this hatred toward their father or whatever, and yeah. they want to run from home and they don't want anything to do with their parents, it's not usually both parents. There's usually one parent that they're, they despise or they hate, you know, but the other one gets real hurt. Yeah. You know, or and, a weird situation there. Aunt Leah, I guess. Say. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of people involved. It's, yep. uh, you know, and who knows how many others even outside the family mm-hmm. that uh, it affected. So yeah, they just don't care. They want to get what they want. That's that narcissism. Yep. Number seven, the I will not admit defeat rule. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much they seem to be beat, you know, you think of Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, all these guys, they, and Nebuchadnezzar multiple times showed that he was wrong, God was right. And yet he says, oh, don't say anything about their God never became his god of course until the end i believe that he yeah, did get saved i, I think we'll see nebuchadnezzar is kind of a neat thing yeah. i mean look at that you, you think if anybody anyone you think can't be saved i mean think of nebuchadnezzar uh how hard his heart was and then he got saved that, that's such save an anyone, encouraging yeah. uh story there you know what unfortunately we don't see the same thing with pharaoh um <laughs> Uh, you know, you think after the 10 plagues, you shouldn't even have needed to get to the 10th one. But even after that, you see what God can do. And yet, I'm going to go chase him into this miraculous Red Sea parting. I would have, if I was Pharaoh, I would have been definitely yeah, let's, afraid. Let's stay out of there. <laughs> yeah. Let's like, stay okay. out of that sea, yeah. I don't need to go oh, It's It's amazing. Yeah. But that, it just, wow, how strong that, that rebel heart is. That just will yeah, you're not, never wrong. Will you're not always admit right. defeat. Uh, and number eight, they they can, why can't I rule? So, you know, you look at Nadab and Abihu, Saul, who decided that I'm going to take the priest's place and I'm going to offer sacrifices where I'm not permitted to with in ways that I'm not instructed to and say, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Yep. You know, and, and so this is where you kind of, you know, maybe it's in a church setting where I'm going to do what someone else was called to do because I think I can. You know, someone else was called and equipped to and you think well if they can i can yeah and god didn't call you to that (laughs) but also in your home you know when you know kids will see like other other kids from other families get to do this or get Mm -hmm. to participate in this and and we don't you know Mm -hmm. and so but now in my rebellion i'm gonna i'm gonna live Mm -hmm. however i want i'm gonna go do those things that you don't want me to do and or or even just well i want to be involved in that i want to do that and you know you look at saul's situation he did almost everything he did out of fear Mm-hmm. And so in his fearful situation, instead of just praying to God, which he should have been doing, he's told to wait. Instead of waiting and, and praying, he goes and says, well, I'm going to make the sacrifice myself. You know, yep. and, and uh, you know, why not? Why can't I? Um, and so, you know, some people might say, well, you know, if he can do it, I'm going to go ahead and step in and do it anyways, even though, you know, that might not be what God wants you to do. Uh, but they don't really care. Uh, and then... Uh, another one, number nine, is the twist history rule. You see this a lot. A g- good example of that is the ten spies that went to Canaan and uh, changed the whole story. You know, these uh, mm. giants and we can't do it. And, you know, it, yes, they did see difficulties, but they failed to see God. Yeah. And uh, so they exaggerated their story to make everyone on their side when you had only two people that were like, yep. this is nothing, we've got God. Yeah. And uh, uh, what you see with the rebel is that they're going to make their story and, and their history align with theirs. There was a, a story told about a, a boy who, who was telling a, a certain uh, history of the past in order to align with justifying his actions and, and keeping himself out of some shame and embarrassment and some trouble. 
but all his siblings were like, no, that that's not what happened. That couldn't have happened. And and yet, even with all that, he's still doubling down on his story. It's like, no, 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 that's exactly what happened. All to try and cover yourself. You know, no matter who it hurts, no matter who, just get me out of trouble. Yep. Get me out of shame. Yep. And uh, throw whoever you need to under the bus. Yep. Yep. And yep. You know, lie as much as you can. You know. <laughs> Number ten, the the all believers are equal rule which seeks to bring that down the ones who God promoted or called to a certain position of authority, and they take it upon themselves to put down or put set up an authority for God. So in a sense, they, they want to replace God and take the place of God. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen this or heard stories about this in, in different ministries where, you know, people come in and cause church splits because they want to attack the, the man whom God called to be an authority there. Um thinking that well you know we're all we're all equal so um it's fine you we get the example of this of Korah who comes and tries to overthrow Moses and Aaron and right. saying well you're, you're putting too much upon yourself no we're taking what God gave us yeah that's it yeah and and they're looking at it as you're you're taking this authority that you shouldn't have you know we're all equal right <laughs> and uh, uh so they set to set out to set down Moses and Aaron from a place that God had put them in. Yeah, and they yeah. do this with their parents. They do this with yep. their pastors. They do this with, you know, whoever else that, you know, I'm I'm just as much of an authority as anybody else is. Yeah. And it really is yeah. about setting themselves up. And so when they made it, in the case of Korah and his 250 companions there, uh, rebels, um, in their case, they, they made it about holiness, but the issue wasn't holiness. The issue was office and, and position. Yeah. And uh, that was a difference. So, you know, I say, well, you're you're not holier than me. Why, why are you acting holier than thou type of thing? Well, no, I'm just an authority. That That's my job. This is my position. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that was the difference. And so you know, just because someone's exercising their authority doesn't mean they're claiming to be holier. Right. Um, yeah. You know, they had no right to demand Moses to step down. Um, you know, and the rebel wants to be in charge. Always. You think of Diotrephes. He mm-hmm. desired to have the preeminence. Uh, wanted to be in the place of Christ, even, if you will. And uh, he had this obsessive yearning for importance. Right. And for others to recognize how important they were. Um, but then there's uh, number 11, the blame the righteous rule. So when someone's in deep water, they want to look to find someone who's... Uh, uh, maybe they're in water up to their head, up to their eyeballs. Uh, they want to look for someone who's in water up to their ankles. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, say, well, that person, or look at yeah. that person. They you play know, the comparison uh, game. <laughs> and yep. They try, yep. 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 And then there's the uh, uh, the God's way, my way rule, which says, you know, I, I know God's will. So once I know God's will and what God expects of us, I know general principles of the Bible. I know how church goes. And so I decide, well, I'm, I'm just going to do things my way. And uh, this is where you have kind of similarity with the with Balaam, um, who was told, you know, not to curse Israel, uh, and only to say what God said. First of all, God told him not to go, but he asks again and says, <laughs> and so God permits him to go, even though he actually does give him indication that he doesn't really want him to go. When you have the story of the talking donkey, uh, God puts an angel in the way, yet. Balaam's like, come on, let's go, let's go. <laughs> God gave permission here. And uh, he, and, and so he, he beats the donkey. The donkey says, why are you hitting me? Why are you beating on me? 
And, uh, you know, that should have been enough there to say, you know, maybe I should just cancel this whole plan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes and he's it's like told, Pharaoh. Yeah. You just, yeah. you know, you see this miraculous thing. You see the part of the, the Red Sea. You know, I'm still going to go. I'm yeah. still going to rebel. I'm still going to do my thing. Yeah. And so a lot yeah. of ways he, he did what, what God told him to do or what God allowed him to do. But eventually in the end, he stuck with his own way. And that was to seek after the riches and, mm-hmm. and do what he wanted to do for himself. Yep. Anyways. And then you have the uh, uh, the I want what I want rule. You're not content with God's type, timing, or terms as far as uh, what he provides. Right. Uh, you're going to go after what you want, and by any means you can get it. And, you know, I guess it could be like buying everything on credit and, until you're in trouble and you're never really able to pay it off. And uh, it's going to cost you more than you're willing to pay. Yeah. Uh, yep. Aiken found that out. Yeah. He got himself caught in some bad debt. <laughs> when it comes to spiritual things, the interest is high. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you decide to to go live however you want, the, the payments are going to be too steep. Yep, yep. So he's told not to take anything from Jericho. Yeah. Aiken finds some things, thinks no one will know, accumulates some debt there, and it came time to pay, and he paid. Yeah, big time. Yeah, more than he could pay. And so the you know the answer to that is we ought, we need to choose contentment. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the anything but God. We only got a couple more here, but the anything but God rule, mm. which is you know how many times did the the God the idol Dagon have to fall over before they were like okay let's get rid of this ark instead of saying oh well maybe we shouldn't worship Dagon maybe we should yeah. worship God <laughs> right they said no oh, get this ark out of here. <laughs> And, uh, you know, but anything but God. We love our sin. We want to stay in it no matter the cost. Yep. And, uh, you know, we, we need to admit that God is above all, that God is, is worthy to be worshipped. And uh, nothing else, everything else pales in comparison. Absolutely. Uh, and lastly, there's the be yourself rule. And that is that they want to be themselves. And you hear this, but that's not who I am. And... and, and not to pick on them specifically, but you have the homosexual crowd that says, well, this is what I want. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. So this is who I'm going to be. Well, what does God intend you to be? Yeah. That's the, that's the question all of us need to need to ask. Yeah. And, and we could say not just with homosexuality, but a whole lot of other things. Yeah, just rebellion uh, in general. Yeah. You know, the, it, this attitude is, well, I want to do what I want to do, and I want to be who I am. And, and that's who you are. You know, say to the preacher who you are is not who I want to be, you know, and not who I am. I'm just uh, different by nature. Just being myself. And everybody's different. I just want to be myself. So, But where are you seeking your identity? And I think this is another book we're considering talking about. Yeah. But where do you find your identity? And let God give you your identity. Yep. Um, Have you seen those Dr. Pepper commercials? The Be the One or whatever? Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, it's hilarious because, yeah. you know, the everybody's going one direction and this person, you know, they're all wearing like red shirts or maroon shirts, you know, Dr. Pepper type thing. Mm-hmm. And this one person decides, oh, I'm going to drink Diet Dr. Pepper or whatever. And they, they, they're going the other way and now they're wearing the white Dr. Pepper shirt going the other way. And then pretty soon everybody's going that direction. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. what is this about? Are they all it, – it's not about being – individual it's not about being you know unique or you know one of a kind Mm -hmm. no you just want to be a go a different you want to be part of a different movement yeah you want to be part of a different direction a different you know thing and that's what rebels are all about rebels are not about i just want to be myself i want to be the salmon that swims upstream you know yeah you're you're going with all the other salmon that are swimming upstream you know and (laughs) it's funny because the more we would rebel the more we 
fall in line with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And we're not individual. We're not our own person. We are, you know, going after our father, the devil. We're going after the way of the world. The way is broad and it's a highway. Yeah, I love how Jesus puts it. He said, you're of your father, the devil, because you're either of him or you're of him. Yeah, there's only two directions you can be mm-hmm. going. There's only mm-hmm. two movements you can be a part of, and what, what's it going to be? Yeah, man, this has been good to be yeah. able to talk about rebellion and and uh, what it means to be a rebel, and, and yeah. a little bit longer of an episode today. But I hope that maybe yeah. uh, you just uh, uh, broken it up maybe in a couple of days as you listen to it. But we um, we really need this to to understand this thought of you know when we go our own way. It's really all has to do with selfishness. It all has to do with that narcissism that you talked about. We all have that in us, that rebellion in us. And uh, we want to go our own direction. We want to go our own way. We're completely selfish. And um, so many different rules that uh, rebels live by. And so I encourage you to get that book, um, Rules That Rebels Live By by Jeff Farnham. And uh, we're going to put the uh, links to that in the uh, show notes and the uh, uh, the um, description uh, below. And uh, hope that it, hope that this was a help to you. Brother Jen, you got anything else on rebellion today? I was just going to say, you know, it's, as, we, as we close that up, you know, I wanted to give... Uh, just a simple biblical example on that on that last one is that you know to, you think of one who wanted to be himself in the scriptures sure and you think of samson absolutely and mm-hmm. and you read that story of samson in judges and you see how he did everything uh because he wanted to be this separate individual yep. doing his own thing instead of what what god wanted him to be so i challenge you in order to fight this rebellious attitude is to seek out what god wants you to be Amen. And who God wants you to be. Amen. So, Amen. And, and make that uh, uh, the most important thing above everything else. Good stuff. Yeah. Amen. Appreciate you, bro. And if that was a help to everybody, uh, like, subscribe, and uh, hit the notification, that notification bell, so you can be notified when we have a new episode coming out every Friday. Amen. And, uh, Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you on the next one. Don't forget, there's a battle raging out there. Stay armored up.